Yo, 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 yo. All right, all right, peoples out there in uh, podcast land. So today is, uh, I'm going to do this episode. Uh, hopefully I'll wrap it up by Monday. Um, but today is Saturday. It's the 23rd or 24th of October. Um, so there's not very many days left in October. The month's almost up. Um, it's about 3 p.m. now. Now, like I said, I'm going to do this one today, maybe a little bit tomorrow, maybe a little bit Monday, see how things shake out this weekend, especially tomorrow. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about a couple of things. COVID, obviously, it's doing what it's doing. Hopefully, shit gets under control here soon. Uh... But besides that, uh, I finished up season one of Blue Exorcist finally, uh, which I think is really good. It's I, I think it, season two probably be better than season one. Now they don't have so much explaining to do with different things. Um, and then I watched also the new Borat movie, which. I thought it was really good as well. You know, that motherfucker was trolling people hard. Uh, and it's going to get negative reviews because it's, you know, it's leaning far left and joking on all the people on the right. But then again, Borat 1 kind of was too. I also watched uh, Tremors, Shrieker Island, which I thought actually was better than like the last one or two that they did, but you know what, the last one or two that they did wasn't that bad either, I think they're progressively getting a little bit better at it, and I think hopefully for the Tremors franchise, uh, you know, they stick with it, eventually they might land a, a reboot of it and have it be good, picked up by a good director, uh, So I want to talk about that, and then I want to talk about the Dodgers are up 2-1 in the World Series. It's been phenomenal. An excellent three games that I've been paying attention to. Uh, Getting acquainted with the Rays players, getting acquainted with all the Dodgers players now. So I'm seeing everybody in rotation, but more getting acquainted with the Rays players. So without further ado, let's talk. A little bit about this Borat movie. I think I'll start with Borat before I move to Tremors and Blue Exorcist and the Dodgers. The Borat movie, uh, like I said, he did, them motherfuckers trolling people hard, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was e- for for me, it was easy for this motherfucker to do it because the the conservative Republican MAGA crowd. As soon as you start saying shit like fuck Obama and lock her up, they kind of get behind you and they don't really, doesn't, to them, you could slip shit that like this motherfucker was slipping to them and they don't, they don't see it. They just don't. But this motherfucker trolled, uh, he trolled the fuck out of the Republicans hard in the entire movie. 
it basically starts off his <laughs> he becomes a political prisoner uh, in Kazakhstan where the fuck he's from potassium or whatever the the story is the gist of it is potassium export has gone way down the running of the Jews cancelled all of this stuff was you know you know because he went and did Borat what it was so awful You know, it was like he got—he ended up a political prisoner in jail, and they put him in the gulag. And there he was slavering for 14 years, and then he came back, and they wanted to send him to America to make uh, the Mike Pence <laughs> uh, give his give the monkey to Mike Pence. <laughs> And that was going to be like, you know, he was going to glaze over the, you know, the troubles with Kazakhstan. That was how he was going to get in there. Now, the actual story part of the movie is he's supposed to go to America. He's supposed to get this monkey to Mike Pence. And that's supposed to, you know, like, as a gift, put Kazakhstan back on good graces and and this and that, and he's supposed to go and supposed to do that, um, and, and not as a journalist or nothing, and, you know, the shit goes sideways for him. Now, with that said, <laughs> like I said, this motherfucker... <laughs> He took what, you know, and, and Sasha Barrett Cohen is actually, he, to me, he's deceptively good at certain things. Um, and I think where he comes, he's like a more of an old school actor, where, like a Leslie Nielsen type of, but in a different way. Uh, because he, he comes to America, he points out immediately that people start recognizing him, so he would need disguises. And this actually fits well with the movie, because he's disguising, as he starts trolling all these motherfuckers hard in disguises. You know, he's wearing a KKK Grand Master Chief Wizard outfit, whatever the fuck that thing is called. The, the Wizards. I don't know why they're called wizards, bro. Wizards aren't even fucking real. <laughs> the grand wizards, grand paladin wizard, whatever. Uh, he he goes into costume as a farmer. He goes into costume as like Donald Trump. I mean, he's got several. Co- so, <laughs> and he comes across a fucking Borat costume. He's looking at it, and the guy's looking at him like the party central, and he's looking back at the guy. I don't know, that shit happens in the beginning of, the, of his movie. I thought that, that fucking shit was funny. Uh, he was like, no, no. Look. You know, I don't know. That, that shit was funny. Um, anyways, the monkey comes to America, and it's actually his daughter uh, is what comes to America, and you know, in true Kazakhstani uniform, he's like, oh, shit, like, the daughter is, 
I don't know. Daughters aren't seen as equal to men, or the women aren't equal, seen equal to women. So there's a whole, that whole kind of a twist up of it. Um, and the girl that plays his daughter is phenomenal as well. I thought her shit, most of her shit was funny too. Uh, you know, it, she was trolling people hard too. I mean, that. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, if you haven't seen the movie, it's fucking phenomenal. But uh, they try to get to Mike Pence and they don't. Then they start going down. <laughs> they start going down the list of Trump associates. <laughs> Every fucking one of them is arrested. <laughs> so they send up. They settle for Rudy Giuliani. And uh, you know the, the story continues more. The virus breaks out, I'm assuming, at some point during the filming of Borat. And that that takes that takes the fucking movie for a fucking whole loop. Because he he hit that shit right in stride and everything that he I he, for him to be making that shit up on the fly, because a lot of what he was doing is improv, I think was fucking wild, especially when he's with the two dudes in, I think, like, fucking Texas, or I don't know where the fuck he was, he's like, he's screaming in the middle, he's like, Tuta, Tuta, where's everybody, and the, and the guy's like, well, I, I think they're maybe in Washington, the guy's like, well, we're, everybody's on lockdown, they're safer at home, and he's like, I don't have a home, can I go to your home, and the guy lets him come to his home, and then they fucking start talking about how Hillary Clinton drinks blood of bit. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And the <laughs> is like, so the Democrats are demons. And they're like, yeah, they're probably demonic. <laughs> well, that's what I've heard. I don't know. He trolls those fucking guys hard, man. <laughs> and it, I don't know. At some point in the movie, he's like, fuck the social distance. I, I don't know. That shit is fucking wild. That he he does that fucking amazing, man. That, you know, guys don't know that they're clowning, and nobody knows. He goes to a fucking rally that these MAGA supporters are at, and he trolls he trolls the entire rally fucking hard. And it's wild because now that I think back about it, some of the movie leaked out before this even came out, but. Nobody knew it. There's a lot of things that I was like, hey, I kind of remember hearing something about that. And this motherfucker was trolling motherfuckers the entire time. Like, that shit to me is wild. Like, and then he ends up fucking not exposing, but it, it really drew the eye. He thought he was going to get his dick sucked by uh, the girl in the interview. See, I don't really know how these political interviews go, but I know that motherfucker went in there to get his dick sucked. He would say he was tucking in his shirt. He was not tucking in shit. He was like patting his balls ready to get going. Like, Rudy Giuliani wanted to get his dick sucked. Now, uh, say what you want. I don't know if he knew that she was being portraying a 15-year-old girl. I don't know that. I, I don't know 
And then she called him, told him that she was going to interview him about some shit. And the interview, like, the, the whole troll set up to it because she's like, yeah, like, talking about this Chinese shit and all the, all the other shit. And, like, he's like, yeah, like, you know, it could have been worse, this, that. And she's touching, then, I mean, but he, I, I don't know if she disclosed her age to him at any point or anything like that. Uh, so he's not going to go to jail or no. But he, I think he went to the room and he thought he was going to get his dick sucked at minimum. And. You know, and he didn't even fucking, like, <laughs> like, if it was a normal, like, I don't know the motherfucker's married or what, but the mother, he thought, he thought he was going to get his dick sucked, he was just like, fuck yeah, let's get my dick sucked, like, there's no denying that shit, bro, like, he, Rudy Giuliani's a horn dog, um, and then the movie ends, they end up back at Kazakhstan, and, you know, they, uh, the, the son and daughter now, or the da- daughter and father relationship is repaired, and she's the number three reporter, and he's the number four reporter. Um, but over, you know, the movie is fucking funny. Like, there's a lot of sneak comedy in there. Dark, darkish comedy. Uh, <laughs> fucking, he goes to a, a clinic, and he's like, she eats a plastic baby that goes on a cake. Uh, that part was funny, too. He's like, he fucking has that white lady write some fucking racist shit on a cake. And you know, uh, that's one thing that um, he fucking does well. He, he you know... Like I say, he troll. He's trolling hard. The the conservative right side, and they just don't know it. Like, um, you know, and, and, but it's good. Like that. Like I said, when he had that lady write that racist shit on the cake, I was like, yeah, they were gonna fucking write that shit. But then I thought about too, like, they wouldn't. They won't fucking do a cake for some gay people. Like, like a dog. Like he. That's how you know the world is kind of loopy. They don't even know what's right from wrong. Um, he also trolls the fucking guy uh, that sells him the cage for his daughter. <laughs> He's like, hey, the Trump putting the kids in cages. High five. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's not fucking funny that, you know, Trump has kids in cages. But the guy high fives him. He was like, yeah, yeah, we can fit all kinds of girls in there. Like. And I thought, you know, for him making that shit up on the fly, because a lot of it's on the fly. This is some natural. It's not act. It's not. These are natural conversations he's having. Like, like, damn. Like he fucking hit them on the head, and then he trolled the fuck out of, yeah, the guy at the clinic. He's like, I put the baby in her. She's my daughter, a 15 year old. I went to put the baby out of her, and he doesn't know what the fuck. But he's like, God will fucking, like, dog. He. You know, he's like, I have tremendous regret now for doing this to her. <laughs> he's like, well, we're not here for this. We're here for the life of a child. 
there's more there's more catchphrases in the first one. I you know what he's the black lady that is in that movie. Uh, uh, she was phenomenal as well, man. She kind of stole the show for me too. Like they should have had her in the movie a little bit longer. If they if they filmed more uh, scenes with her, they need to release them shits because her shits was funny too. <laughs> the motherfucker asked her. He's like, what last name? Will you be my new black wife? That <laughs> shit had me dying. I was like, this motherfucker's out of bounds, bro. Out of bounds. Like, you know, I was like, damn, this is fucking. Will you be my new black wife? I I had to stop and fucking watch that again. And her jaw and shit was like, what the fuck? Even I was like, God damn, this motherfucker is ruthless as fuck, man. Uh, but yeah, it's a two thumbs up. I, I give it a watch. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, I didn't spoil too much, or not that shit you haven't already seen on the internet. But uh, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Now coming up next, we're gonna review, talk a little bit about the Tremors. Uh, Shrieker Island here momentarily. Hang tight. Okay, so I'm back. So this Tremors, Shrieker Island, uh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe like the seventh or eighth installment in the Tremors franchise. Maybe, maybe not that many. Maybe like six or seven, fifth or sixth, somewhere along the line. Definitely, probably like six. Um, and it's, you know, like I hinted at, I think, I think if they keep plugging away, they've been slowly getting better. I mean, it's not so much like a sci-fi flick anymore as more as it is like, they got kind of back in the last one too, they got kind of back to like the fundamentals that made the first one good, uh, you know, the only thing that didn't make sense is the Tremors were located, like, I think the last one that were located, like, in Africa, I think. Uh, better to explain, I don't know if they explained how they got there. And I think the last one that was, like, in, they were, like, in Antarctica, maybe, or somewhere where there was snow. I know there was one where they ended up, like, in Africa, uh, and then there was one with the snow. So I could be wrong. There could be two different movies. Uh, and they probably are. But what I was trying to get at is, that, like, this one, it's based in, like, you would want to say, like, I wasn't in the assumption it was, like, Hawaii. But it could be, like, um, I don't think it was Hawaii. But it was, like, maybe, like, some island off of Africa, somewhere at the coast of Africa. And, like, you know, they're talking about the indigenous people. So, or maybe it was like somewhere in, I don't even want to know, like in the Asian realm. Uh, they don't really say, although there's elephants there, so it's, there's an animal sanctuary there. So, you're led to believe that it's like somewhere foreign, exotic. So, that's why, I, I don't know, maybe not Hawaii, but somewhere Cayman Islands, somewhere 
some sort of islands um, that is not local to the U.S. And the story goes that, you know, they run an animal sanctuary over there on one island. On the other neighboring island, the villain of the movie, you don't know his name off the top of my head, he runs a safari hunt, like, for these rich, elite, like, people from, like, Google, Amazon, like, top CEOs, whatever. He takes them on the ultimate hunt, which is, you know, the tremor or the grab boys, whatever you want to call them. They, uh, they pay him to take them on, a, on an excursion to hunt them. And the goal is, you know, they want to hunt them, kill them, and then take them back. Hoist uh, a mantle. You hoist them on their mantle. Like a big old animal. And it's no secret about the Graboids anymore. They're pretty much well-known. Like, okay, they that's what they are in the, in the little genre that they're in. However, they find out that these rich motherfuckers and these... You know, these people, they alter, they genetically altered the the animals. They modify them to be a little bit more adept to hunting. And the Shriekers uh, have the ability to, like, fuck up your hearing with their, with their detecting, I don't know. And then the, the Graboid itself is, they say, like, Ten times bigger than the original, so it can it can traverse from island to island fairly easy. It can get, it can reach lower depths. Its armor is a little bit more beefy, which actually to me that makes a little bit more sense uh, for a movie. You know the next evolution of the movie. And anyways, they, they go on this hunt. This guy takes them on this fucking hunt. They actually put poison darts and they shoot at one. He bred four of them. He shoots at one. They ends up dying, but they, you know, it doesn't stun it right away. So it, that's how the Shriekers came to be. Um, and pretty much, you know, just, you know, the, as normal the movie the animals just get out of control and the people don't know how to stop it the grab boys end up hunting down the rich people and that whole party of hunting them down one by one and it's left to bill Hader and co to stop the, the creature so they kill a few of them and then they get the one at the end they track down just the one uh they kill all the shriekers as well you find out that that Graboid, the big one, uh, ate an elephant, you know, which was, I thought was like, damn, like, it's kind of cool. Uh, they did a good job of, like, hiding the creature and also showing it a little bit. And the little tentacles are a little bit better than how they have been. They just look like sock puppets. Uh, they're more CG now. And I think they they pretty much after this after it all then they killed it off. But it, the character the guy that plays Napoleon Dynamite he's also in Blades of Glory. That guy's in the movie, and I think like this is his this is his baby now. They kind of passed it on to him. 
So I feel as if the, it could go. Like, the story can keep going. They'll probably make another one in a year or two from now. Uh, featuring him as the main guy. And maybe he can bring in a character or two that you would know. And, and possibly, you know, build off of it. What I say, what I said before, I, I think if they keep plugging, they're gonna need another four or five more before, you know, maybe it gets a anime reboot. Maybe it gets a, you know, a spinoff or something that it just makes, you know, touches on it, but it, but it doesn't. But I think, I think if you know, because the stories have been getting a little bit, maybe they'll have a major breakthrough in one of the films where. You know, it has wild success. You know what I mean? Wild maybe it makes, I don't know, 80, 100 million or something. And that's enough to fund it for another 20, 25 years of movies here and there about it. You know, just like Godzilla, just like it's just, a, it's a franchise. That's what it is. Um, but I think they have been consistently getting a little bit better. Uh, I've watched all the Tremors. I just, you know, I don't like them all. Uh, but I watched them just because I, the first one, the OG, and the second one, th- those two were classics. For me, anyways. I mean, it's just right up there in, in my kaiju alley of, like, it's a big creature. It's sci-fi-ish. It's... The first one is funny, too. So is the second one. Like, you know. And they kept it going, and then they kept it going more, and now they're where they're at now. And I think they dipped down after the second one, the third one, I think the fourth one kind of were like, eh, it didn't make any sense. Kind of dumb. But then I think they picked it back up when they went to... I think, I think they were in Africa. I'm not 100% positive, but... They, uh... You know... I think they just did... They did well, like... To be anyways, if you're a kid and you're watching monster movies or, you know, you get sucked into that genre of big animals like a Jurassic Park fan, and you pick up randomly this tremor, Shrieker Island, and you're like, alright, I'm going to watch it. Is it bad? No, absolutely not. Is that, if you look at it through that angle of an eye, like, it's actually kind of cool. You would wondering about things. Uh, the, like I said, they made the they made the graboid. It's, the graboid doesn't look anymore like a sock that's been transformed into a monster. It looks actually like a monster. At least the CGI part of it is done really, really well now. Uh, the shriekers, I thought they they did really well with that. Uh, there's enough comedy in it for you know and enough seriousness in it to make it believable. I mean, it is, a, it is right now, it's like a sci-fi-ish movie, but I, I, I didn't think it was bad. Uh, it wasn't overly cheesy. It wasn't overly fake, either. Um, the villain that they had in the movie, that guy was actually pretty good. I thought he look, actually looked like a scumbag. Uh, even though that guy probably isn't alive, you know. The actors, like Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator, um... It was hard for me to see him in any other role besides that. But then Signs came out, and I was like, damn, he's a younger brother that plays baseball. And then, you know, he's been here and there. Now he's the Joker. 
And that's the credit to Joaquin Phoenix's long career. He's had other movies where, you know, but in, in Signs, you know, he, he was next to Mel Gibson, and he just did a, he just did a phenomenal job portraying as like the younger brother that was a fuck up. Um, but you know what I mean. So, but the guy, the guy, the villain, the actual main villain in Tremor Street Grind, and that guy did a good job, and he seemed kind of like scummy, like he fit the part really well. So did the wife, so did, you know, Napoleon. I don't know none of their, I just watched it one time, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. Uh, people's names, I just watched it, literally I just watched it, they didn't do much else other than watch it, because I was like, well... It's another Tremors movie. But overall, I did, like, I thought, Napoleon Dynamite, his character, uh, if they keep with him in the series and they let him, I think he can bring the comedy aspect of it that was in the first one, that it was kind of light, but it was kind of serious. I think he's more adept to taking the franchise further because uh, he himself is funny, and in the in the movie, he's he comes off as kind of like a slouch. Even though again, he's acting, but he comes off as kind of like his role is he's a scientist, but he's a drunk. But then he kind of like has to become the warrior, <laughs> and, and it's funny. He, his stuff is kind of funny, and it's actually kind of cool because I think they got to play with real life flamethrowers, now it's kind of, like, it's just interesting to see him in that role, and, and like I said, overall, the movie wasn't bad, like, it was, obviously, I mean, you can't ignore the other Tremors, but it's better than, like, the last couple they did, and the story makes a lot of sense, like I said, I think, you know, when you look at it, rich motherfuckers like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump, you know, and Epstein and all them fucking people. Like, is it out of the realm for them to get, like, monkey DNA and create zombie monkeys to just fucking shoot or to create clones of things? You know, I could see them cloning human beings just to kill for sport. Like, kill them for sport, you know, you're, what else, what else you doing, and then, you know, it's like, wow, you make a little hunting excursion, so I thought that they, they kind of did that, really, they wove that into the story well, and the guy was like, you know what, I've never lost a hunt, uh, these people paid well, like, you know, they're gonna get a hunt, and, and I kind of feel like that is a viable story, it's not like some made-up shit, like, like, to me, that doesn't seem so far made up. It's not like some made up shit like, um, you know, there's some deep sea expedition. Because there's really not deep sea expedition. They cover an alien race. Like, you know, something where they'd have to build. And that, maybe that's where Tremors has an advantage because they didn't have to build the entire story behind it. They just built in the fact that these rich assholes paid this fucking guy. And they created the Graboids out of out of DNA that, that had already existed in other movies. So I, I thought that I thought that was really I thought that was really well. And then the fact that he cut off all communication 
you know, so that nobody could call for help or leave the island. And then the fact that he himself, they, they had like a military presence there. And they got all picked off one by one. They, they, and the Shriekers as well. The Shriekers, like I said, they look good on the CGI. So I was kind of like, I was kind of overall surprised because I don't, I don't remember the last one or two, but I thought they were okay. Didn't think they were good, but this one came off as pretty good. I mean, I give, I give it like a seven. Uh, I, I, to me, I like what they did with the Shriekers, and I like because they got out of it's completely all of that is completely CGI now, more or less. They got out of the fucking cheap-looking props. Uh, they gave them a little bit more mobility with their bodies and a little bit more dynamic to them, especially the Graboid itself. Uh, there's a scene in there where the Graboid is like comes out the ground and it's like it's got like a snake-esque feel to it, like the body, how it rises up from the ground. And I thought that that was really dope. Like, um, I was like, oh, I wish they could touch on this a little bit more. And obviously, you know, they got a budget just like anybody else. So, but overall, it's good. It's on Netflix. So if you got Netflix and you want to watch a random ass sci-fi movie that isn't total shit, but, you know, kill an hour or two of time, you know, Shriekers, uh, Tremors, Shriekers Island is pretty good, and I think it's trending, like, number eight or nine or ten in the U.S. on Netflix, and I, you know, that movie, uh, was good, I, I liked it, I didn't find too much bad with it, uh, they spent the money to get the guy from Napoleon Dynamite in there, I don't know his name, but that guy has evolved from being a nerd in Napoleon Dynamite, uh, to being like the role he played in Blaze of Glory to where he's at. Like, he's got a beard now. Uh, he's not as goofy. Well, his presence isn't as goofy. He's a little bit more refined. And I think that guy's career is only going to continue over the years. I can't wait for him to be, you know, for him to perfect his craft and turn heel on the whole fucking community and be like, hey, I'm now a fucking uh, whatever, a hitman or whatever, you know, I'm an action star now, or maybe I'm, you know, a romantic comedy guy, I don't know, like, you could hopefully pull that off eventually, because I, I like, I, I actually like some of the movies in, like, a majority of them, like, so I didn't, don't feel bad about him being in the movie, as a matter of fact, I kind of, I kind of liked the fact that he was in the movie, because I was like, damn, is that the guy, and I was like, Hold up. So I had to Google Napoleon Dynamite actor and then seen that. Oh, yeah. He is in Tremors. Um, but besides that, yeah, like I said, it's on Netflix. You know, if you have Netflix, just watch it. Um, if, you don't li- if you don't care for that kind of shit, don't watch it. Nobody making you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, you know... Tremor, Shriek Ride, and now, as I transition and move to uh, Blue Exorcist, I want to touch on, I'm I'm still trying to watch One Piece, I just started, I'm probably going to watch to like episode, like the same as Blue Exorcist, probably like episode 30 or so, I'm on like episode, I think just under 20 now. Uh, motherfuckers battling Captain Kuro. 
and Django. And it's my, you know what? The battling now is getting a little bit better. I mean, the story was going slow as shit in the beginning. Especially when he was fighting, like, Captain Buggy. You know. But now he's fighting a guy. And Captain Kuro's little story makes a lot of sense. So, Moving on from that, straight to Blue Exorcist. Uh, season 1. What did I think of it? Again, I think it started off just a tad bit slow. But it picked up about... By, like, episode 10 or 12. Then, then after that, I snowballed into, like... All right, and I finished all. I got all the way up to like season two. Uh, but Rain and Yukio are uh, are sons of Satan. <laughs> they are the spawn of Satan. Now, they never tell you how in the beginning. They don't tell you how. They they wait all the way to the end to explain their little backstory. But. Rin, Rin is fucking, he discovers his Satan powers, like, early on in the fucking, in the show. And then it's up to his brother, and it's up to Mephisto, and it's up to a couple other people to, like, train him along. Now, there's there's a lot of interesting things that happen. This is why I say, like, in the beginning, it was kind of slow, but in towards the middle, towards and like all of this stuff is now playing off of each other uh let's, let's start with the brother the brothers are the sons of satan uh, rin obviously discovers his powers before his brother his brother yukio is uh more of a student of the exorcisms and he knows infinitely more how to defeat demons than rin does but he doesn't have the powers. Uh, at the end, he discovers his powers. He discovers he's actually stronger than Rin, but he is not adept to using them. He doesn't know how. Rin does because he, that's all he has been doing, using his powers. So now that now the two brothers are more on equal footing because Rin, in the beginning, uh, Yuki would shut him down on knowledge of exorcisms and he carved him up, like, several times throughout the season. Like, you can't go on the mission because you don't know what you're doing. You can't do this. You can't do that. Like, you're not there yet. And then, you know, all, he's, all you got is the blue... All you got is your blue... Uh, the blue flames. Like, that's it. Uh, and then towards the end, you know, Rin's powers were climbing, and then Yukio was kind of diminishing his role, but then you find out that he's got the flames as well, like, he had been secretly testing himself for the flames of, for satanic blood, and like, three quarters away towards the end, they hint at it, and then, and then, like, towards the end, they actually comes out, and then combined, now they're a little bit more on equal footing, while Yukio doesn't have, like I said, doesn't have the knowledge of how to use the flames as much, He's more knowledgeable on how to defeat most of the demons and how to, you know, how to beat, you know, certain things. When Rin, he knows how to use his flames, I think, completely now or more more to an advanced degree. But his demon slain knowledge is still kind of elementary at best. 
Um, and I like their story. They're 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 not twins. Well, maybe they are twins, but they they they're born and uh, Leorio, the guy who plays Leorio, he plays their dad Shiro, and he kind of just adopts them. Well, he doesn't adopt them. He takes over the role of their father and he raises them till they're like teenagers, um, hiding the fact that they're satanic from them, and he is. Uh, basically, you know, just there fucking raising him. He gets slain in the beginning. Now, the character comes back several times and, you know, is brought up. And they use him in that role as he's like kind of a flashback point or something that they taught them. The show is more focused around the two brothers, but the dad is has a heavy influence on them. Uh, he raises them and... He gets taken out when Satan tries to activate the Gehenna Gate in the middle of his fucking church. And then he, you know, the sun, his powers awaken and he closes the gate. Uh, meanwhile, Shido dies. And then they, you know, Rin inherits Shido's cat, his, uh, uh, his, uh, what does it call it? His familiar. He inherits his cat familiar. That can talk to him, so he's talking to a cat, a cat the whole time. Uh, you know that story goes back and forth. Now, in the beginning of the beginning of the series is kind of cool because he didn't know about his powers, but he was getting his ass kicked, and then they came out, and then he started beating up on demons. And he didn't just didn't know what he was doing. Uh, but yeah, the the story goes, and then they they get enrolled to a class or uh, school. That specializes, and I think it's the call, it's the Tokyo Blue Cross, or something like that. Um, that's the chapter they're called, and he get they get you know whatever they they get enrolled there, and that's where they're schooling now. Mephisto is the brother of Satan. And he's, like, in charge of the fucking school. And so he's well aware of both Rin and Yukio's abilities, but then he puts them in the school, and he starts immediately, like, fucking with them. Like, I think he's trying to learn everything he can about their powers, about where they're at, raising them, what their motivations are. Mephisto's a sneaky-ass character, he's, and he's portrayed as more like a jester clown, which I'm fine with. Uh, you know, and he, he, you know, Mephisto's story, you know, he's got another brother who wants to kill Rin, and they squabble a little bit, and they're just you know, the story goes on and on. There's, there's a lot of back and forth. A lot of things that nobody can understand. Um, and I really like that they they talk about necromancy and all kinds of shit, man. Like, one of the professors, his wife was brought back to life, even though she was dead, and then the Vatican uh, condemned them. And sentenced, they, said they were sentenced to death. Uh, one of the teachers, she's got a demon sword too, 
Uh, I don't know her name off the top of my head. I don't know very many people's names. They all kind of... There's a lot of names to remember. I know the characters. I know the main characters. Anyways. Uh, and... I can't think of the teacher. She she's actually portrays herself as a student in the beginning, and then you find out that she's actually part of. She's spying. She, she's part of the Vatican. She's spying on the Japan's branch, the Blue Cross, and she is Shido's like OG student. She taught Shido taught her everything, and then she was entrusted by Shido to. Uh, kind of train Rin and kill when the time was right. And she's doing so. Uh, she's teaching Yukio how to fucking maintain total focus over the object, uh, task at hand. Uh, and she's gonna end up teaching Rin how to use his fucking sword. Uh, without, you know, having to use his blue flame so much. Uh, so that that all happens, and then you know there, there's a lot of story. Shimi, uh, Rin is like the playboy. He's you know he's got Shimi's on his jock, then the teacher's on his jock, and then the other girl too. I can't think of her name either. The one with the two wolves as her like ability. She's kind of on his jock too, but then he don't like any of them in that way. And then Yukio is kind of like there, but he's not. He he's got he's actually because he's like the smartest one. The girls like him too, but he kind of doesn't like them, which is weird. But anyways, long story short, could get it wrapping up sort of. Satan was using them as a vessel to get into this world. Now, that happened when Shido was with their mom, Yurio, Yurio. Is it Yuro or Yurio? Um, she was in love with Shido, but they had to like break it up because the Vatican told him that she was playing with demons and she wanted to she said she wanted demons and demons together because not all demons are inherently bad like uh, Shido's cat isn't bad um, neither were the, the snow you know the snowman what they, they called them the ice golems so they, they were just looking for a home like they're not inherently bad not all demons are inherently bad some are some aren't and so Sane kind of took you know, akin to that, and he ended up possessing, he ended up possessing their mom, and he found out that his flames did not burn her, uh, whether that was because she, or the way she believed or, or whatever, but his flames couldn't burn her, so he inhabited her body for a little bit, he ends up getting her pregnant, just kind of how, like, Jesus gets very pregnant, just does, for God, and then she bears two sons, and she tells Shido that to watch the sons, he was actually going to go there to kill them, Mephisto said 
that Mephisto and Mephisto ends up there as well. It's Shiro, Mephisto, and the mom right there with Rin and Yukio as babies. And he wagers uh, a bet with Shiro for his soul, I think, if they were going to turn demonic or not. And the mom instructs Shido, like, hey, like, watch the kids. And that's what Shido ends up raising them as his kids. Now, Satan sees it as, oh, and they say they're 15. They got to be 15, 16 years old at the time. They flash forward 15, 16 years now. But Satan tells them that, look, he's going to use their bodies to bring, you know, hell and earth together. He was going to use Rin or Yukio as a vessel to open the Gehenna Gate and let the demons come through. Uh, Satan's plan is thwarted. Uh, Rin and Yukio end up teaming up and stopping it. A lot of people end up stopping like the takeover of hell. But the goal was that they wanted hell and heaven to or uh, hell and earth to be one and he damn near Satan damn near accomplishes it uh, but again UQ and Rin stop the apocalypse and they beat Satan back now it's kind of interesting that Satan in all his wisdom as well as anybody in all their wisdom doesn't see the fact that hell and and Earth are now one. They're joined in the body of Rin and Yukio, and they're living on Earth. I, I think, you know, okay. Before I get there, the the gate is oh, you Yukio gets kind of seduced by his grandfather, who uses him to start hunting down demons towards the end, and that's how he ends up trapping Rin and sacrificing him. Sacrificing his blood to open the Gehenna Gate and let Satan come through, but he didn't. He didn't think that, that it was going to backfire on him, and it ended up, ended up backfiring him. And then that Satan ends up showing Rin or Yukio, one of the two, the entire timeline of the things that happened. So maybe Mephisto is now ratted out. So I don't know if one hundred percent certain. But I think, and without watching season two, I'm going to watch season two next. But without watching season two, I kind of feel as if both Rin and Yukio can now cross over into hell if need be. And they can remain on Earth, on Earth if need be. And they are now, can, they can channel, they, have, they should be able to have the same powers that Mephisto has. As well as any other demon, or any other major demon has, like... Uh, Amon and all them. Uh, they can reincarnate themselves, I believe. So, I kind of feel like that should be a bigger thing going forward. We'll see what happens. Uh, season two. Hopefully, you know, maybe they bring in Shido into the mix. Hopefully, I I I, I like Leorio and I recognize his voice instantaneously like I was like shit that sounds like Leorio and it sure, sure enough the character that is Leorio uh, 
is also the, the dad, Shido, so, um, I find that to be cool. Uh, and the story's got infinite more possibility. The story is so far from over because we don't know what Mephisto's actual plan is because he's been, he's scheming back there. He's, he takes the role of kind of like Loki. He's scheming in the back, in the, you know, behind the curtains. He's just straight up scheming and double taming back there. Uh, even the Vatican says, like, you can't really trust his words because he, uh, he's, you know, his tongue is conniving, like, this is what it is. So, I was like, alright, well, you know, but then you can, you kind of see him playing the long game. Uh, there's a long game he's playing, and nobody, uh, they haven't even gotten to his actual story yet. Like, they kind of just, like, you know, hinted at things that he's doing. So we'll see what he's up to eventually. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, like I said, the, the season one rounds off really well. Um, you know, and I'm waiting for season two. So with that, you know, I transitioned to talking a little bit about the Dodgers. Hopefully, I think they play today. I'm not sure. This, the series is now tied 2-2. Uh, they blew game four. They had that in the bag, man. I mean, they had it. Well, they didn't have it, but, you know, the Rays battled back, and the, the ending was kind of retarded on, you know, on the on the Dodgers' end. You know, just a, it was a blown game for them, I think. They, they were winning 7-6 in the ninth with two outs, two on, and all they needed was one strike or one, you know, Kenley Jansen, four guys being hang, hung out there to dry. And, you know, I do feel bad for him, but you know what? This is the World Series. I think it's the final World Series that the Dodgers had to pull it together before the whole team just implodes. Uh, they need to win it. I mean, to, uh, it's Glasnow versus Kershaw's next in game five. Uh, and again, the Dodgers need to win it because if they don't win it, I think it's over. Uh, and that's the case on any major game, but they need they need to they need to win they need to bounce back from kind of a heart wrenching loss, you know, game four, and they had a chance to go up three one and put all but a fucking death grip on, you know, on the series. But you know, hopefully, when I do wrap up this episode, you know. We're talking about the Dodgers winning it all or not. So, you know, that's where I'm going to leave. I'm going to wait until uh, I get a little bit more clarity as to what happens with the Dodgers here to wrap this up. So, I'll see you guys momentarily. All right, all right, yo, let's go. All right, so I'm about to wrap up this episode uh, now that all the events of what I've needed to see have unfolded. Uh, the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Doyers, are your 2020 uh, Baseball World Series champions. Um, in six over the Tampa Bay Rays, you know... 
you first and foremost, you got to tip your cap to the Tampa Bay Rays because the series was rather interesting. You know, sometimes teams get clobbered like my Dodgers did against Boston. They got clobbered, so it wasn't really close. Um, but when we played the Houston Astros, the Houston Asterisks, uh, that was a close one too, but, you know, they cheated, so it could have been a blowout. But either way, you know, you tip your caps to the Rays. You know, the, the, the series was interesting. It took six games. Uh, lots of interesting things happened along the way. Game one was a blowout. Well, game one, we actually we came out swinging. Eight, I think we were up like eight to one. Or eight to three at some point. Like, we just... We were just piling on him. Game two. I think they tied. I, no, I think we won. No, I don't know. No, game two, they came out and beat the brakes off of us as well. But, you know, game three, we won. Then they, we were, we were up two to one. And we were trying to go three to one. But they came back with that game four late rally victory. Um you know, to Kenny Jansen was out there hung to dry. But you know what? All of that aside, all the dramatics in the series, all aside, I got to learn a little bit. Rosarina, uh, that guy is phenomenal, man. Um, Snell pitched very well in game six. And I understand the decision you know, it's you do or die. You do, you do. It's you know. People say, well, you you know, it's, speaking on Game Six and Snell, people are gonna sit here and say that the Rays shouldn't have pulled Snell. And while I am in grief, in agreement with that, uh, they were winning one to nothing. You know, the Dodgers had already gone to their pen. You know, the Rays have, they say, a phenomenal pen. So. You know, we got them to like the fifth inning or sixth inning. You know, what you don't want to have happen, and I understand, is you didn't want the Dodgers to then gain momentum. You know, they figured him out. Uh, and then have that lead evaporate. Now, I get he was dominating the other innings, but... Dodgers are coming around the third or fourth time. They're, eventually, they're going to figure it out. You know, there's pros on both sides, and your job as a manager is to make that call. That's that's what you, is you do or die. Like he's supremely confident in his bullpen to just shut the Dodgers out. So I guess I understand, you know, but there's pros on the Dodgers hitting side. There's pros on the Rays pitching staff. I mean it. The, ma- the managers got to do what they got to do. They're the ones who make the call. Whether it was the right choice to pull them out that inning or to pull them out the next or whatever the case may be, people will argue that, shit, he could have gone all the way into the ninth inning. His pinch count was low, yada, yada, yada. But then again, he just gave up, the, I think, a single or double. Um, no, I think a single. But that's just what it is. I mean, 
Was that manager wrong on the race for pulling Snell out in game six? I don't... I don't believe so. I mean, analytically, you know, he was right. And honestly, I wouldn't have done it, but I would have seriously considered another hit or another walk. Yeah, he probably would have been taken out. You had to reserve that 1-0 lead. Uh... That's just what it is. I mean, you, you know, like, you're trying to preserve that lead. And I get that it's an elimination game. You're going to do... He has plenty of arms in the pen. I mean, like I said, I probably would have gone another hit or maybe a walk or maybe just, you know, like, he was like a full count away from being on the on the bubble. So, would he have struck out three batters in a row? Or, yeah. But on the flip side of it, uh, the Dodgers, it seemed like they were about to break through to him anyway. So, uh, that's what I see. You know, the, the heart of the, the Dodgers lineup coming up. These, these motherfuckers were like, all right, well, we're going to throw them for another loop. You know, that's what they were playing. They were like, you know what? Just, it's gonna just, we're gonna just change. We're gonna keep them twisted up. Like they were, couldn't figure out this guy. Maybe they won't figure out the next. Uh, and much to the delight of the Dodgers, the next guy that came in surrenders two run in said inning, charged to Snell. And that's just what it is, you know. They took the lead two to one. Uh, Mookie hits a home run I think an inning later Pushed the lead through And at that point uh, I knew that the Dodgers were I think the entire city of LA And where I'm at The Inland Empire And just any Dodgers fan just They kind of knew it at that point Once we took the lead It was almost But there was still, there was still plenty of game left and then once we got up 3-1 and Urias came out to shut things down, uh, to me, I could feel it heading into the night. I was like, oh, you know what? Struck out the first guy. Oh, no, it was a pop-up, pop fly. I think he grounded a ball and then the strikeout to end the game. Uh I don't get very many butterflies watching sports anymore. Like, I'm not on the edge of my seats. I, I don't know. Like, I, I I like sports. and But I can kind of control those. I mean, well, if the Raiders ever make it to the Super Bowl, I probably will be, like, sweating bullets. But perhaps it's because the Dodgers have been in the World Series the last couple years. And I'm, um, you know kind of used to these big moments perhaps it's because the Lakers just won maybe it's because of COVID but I was like I wasn't panicked at all during the game and I just was watching just as a fan just watching uh, I seen them get down and then I seen them come back and then I seen them take the lead and eventually win it so congratulations to the Dodgers uh, you know they put they put this uh, they laid it to rest Clayton Kershaw laid his 
Hey, Clayton Kershaw pitched phenomenal in two games against the Rays. Game one and game five. Uh, game five, he was a little bit out of sorts, but he still was able to strike out people, still was able to get around hitters. You know, you gave up two runs, but we were able to get those back and score more. We won game five. Was he pulled a hair early? Possibly. But nonetheless, the Dodgers offense came through and the defense came through. It was just uh, game one, he was lights out. So I think the the weight has been lifted off the team. And going forward, this bodes well. It, even if we don't reach the World Series for a while, I, I think we've signed up Mookie for a while. Clayton's still there for a little bit more. We've got a we got a core group of players uh, to base things off of. Like we've had them for a couple of years, and some of them uh, are still there, and some of them will still be there. And the team is not going to blow. I felt as if we lo- if we were to lose the series, we would blow up. But Dave Roberts. Uh, yeah, he's got some little issues here and there. He's got a lot of fan favorites. That, you know, you got to bench, you got to pull, you got to do this, you got to do that. Um, you got to coddle around Kershaw and, you know, can he go, can he not? He's fighting, fighting the, the curse, fighting, you know, the narrative around him. Jansen fighting the narrative around him as well. Robert's fighting the narrative that he can't actually coach, even though I I haven't felt that Dave Roberts was in the issue in any of the World Series prior. I felt that the one against the Astros, obviously the Astros cheated. Uh, And to take them seven games and come close to winning it, I mean, that speaks to Dave Roberts. Uh, We got clobbered by Boston. There's no two ways around that one. Just just got clobbered and... uh, Tip your hat to Boston. They they whipped us. Um, you know, and then to come out and win this one. So, to me, you're, I'm looking at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I'll take that. Uh, especially since the Dodgers uh, do what the Dodgers do. You know, they, this is the seventh world champion, World Series champion for them. And it's just, you know, it's something special because, you know, they haven't won since 88. Been 32 years noted on the TV. Uh, I have yet to celebrate with the Dodgers, so now I'm gonna take my Dodgers uh, love and put to rest these Angels fans uh, talking the most shit. I got now something to fucking hang on, hang on to for a little bit. I got 10 years of celebrating that one ring. Our seven rings, you know. And the Dodgers are back on the L.A. map. Uh, and I felt, and I, this go, like I said, this goes well for them going forward because now with the NFL stepping into the L.A. politics, uh, the Dodgers are still relevant. The Lakers are still relevant. You know, this is good, good for them going forward. Uh, as far as they saying Jock Peterson might go, you know what? Jock is a phenomenal player. I'm sure some of the pieces are going to leave. Uh, you know, 
it's the nature of the beast. Jock has been with us for a number of years, and you know, he got a ring with us. You know, all he'll always be part of the the 2020 team, and on the other teams. And if he goes, you know, well, you know, he's a fan favorite. But it happens. It happens to every team. It happens to everywhere you go. You know, you wish him well if that's the case. Uh, Mookie's here to stay for a dozen years, so we're gonna have all of Mookie's talents, which were on full display in in the World Series, from his speed to his power to his outfielding. You know, his outfielding work was phenomenal. You know, those two catches in versus Atlanta to save home runs or just or save points, it just was just phenomenal. Um, you know, I don't know about the future about Seager, Bellinger, or any you know any anybody else, Turner. But the Dodgers are the champions, man, and Dave Roberts has earned the right to stay for a few more years or ride it out. I I think I think the team has earned the right to keep who they want to keep. Leave Dave Roberts alone. Leave Kershaw and Jansen and the rest of, you know, Walker Bueller is, you know, going to turn into a phenom. The team has earned the right to do whatever it is they want to do the next couple of years. Until set point as we don't reach, you know, the NLCS or the or the World Series, you know, two, three, four years in a row. Uh, until set point happens, I think then the team is fine we could plug in and trade and and buy and pay whoever we really want to going forward uh and right now you know as an la fan all we're really worried about is when we can mass gather and get these parades off with both la teams and i really hope the Lakers organization and the Dodgers organization do a joint parade and let the fans come out and celebrate both LA victories when it's appropriate. Uh, I believe probably late this year, maybe early, early next. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know about late this year. I, I would say it would be cool just to. I know, I know. LA wants to fucking riot. I do. I mean, I know LA wants to fucking party hard with the teams and, and see, you know. But I, I'm trying to think if it's possible for them to just do it and you know just have the parade, like, and just you know. It's not a mass gathering. It's not like they stand there. There's a parade. They can end it at Dodger Stadium. Have a select number of fans in the stands. And, you know, have the Lakers there as well. The the Dodgers show up to the Lakers. I mean, I wish. That's the dream is to have the LA teams celebrate together and and just do it at one time. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Going to continue this conversation after I get off of work. But I want to talk a little bit about the Dodgers uh, going forward for next season. Um, and who's the biggest threat? Who's 
I think gonna are the Dodgers fatigued? But I, that's that's the part of the thing that I'm you know I don't think the Dodgers are fatigued because of the shortened season, and now that they got the curse, I think I think they possibly both LA teams repeat next year. It could be that type of scenario. Um, we'll see what happens. So hang tight. We'll discuss this shortly when I get back. All right, all right. So let's wrap up this Dodgers talk. Um, some things going forward. How much time Kershaw's got left, you know, the arrival of Julio Urias, uh, Mookie Betts. I think the Dodgers are in great position now to go on a existential, you know, through, uh, Peruvial uh, Peru- Peruvial Fucking Tear In the MLB um, They got a great Like I said They finally got over the hump I, I felt as if they, if Going all the way back To the last couple of, I felt if they didn't Get over the hump Then the team was gonna Disintegrate And implode internally And You know They were gonna be left Scratching their heads As to what moves they should have made what could help what doesn't what does help what doesn't help you know and the road isn't there the road had been there and if you take a look at it at the Astros series like again I said they talked about it all World Series long you know they don't know the they the MLB knows the extent to which Houston cheated um you know and again, the Dodgers took them to seven games. They came up short. You know, it was right there in the grasp, in the wheelhouse. So, you know, and I, and I kind of felt like they were on you, Darvish. So they won those games rather decisively. So I kind of feel like, yeah, they probably those games, it was more evident. Uh, so that one, you kind of, I kind of don't put it in the same category as the the World Series we got shellacked by Boston but nonetheless we got shellacked by Boston and we came out and we got this one pretty good you know and I, and I think that bodes well for the team because now the team's got a good foothold they know some of these players are seasoned World Series vets now having played in three of four three World Series in the last four years so they know exactly what it takes to get there and what it takes now to win the, the fucking thing uh, and I can't help but stress that they, they're probably going to be on top of their division and on top of the baseball world for the next couple of seasons again they're not going to implode the team I don't know Justin Turner's standings you know with the contract I don't know anybody's contract wise but only a few pieces only a few pieces are gonna uh you know move the rest is gonna stay and I kind of feel like as some of the pieces move they can plug back in players that want to play for the Dodgers and want to you know maintain the Dodgers rel- relevancy atop the MLB uh and that's kind of where I, I was what I kind of think I, Walker Bueller 
is going to turn into a phenom. If he's going to be top in the top pitchers out there, you got Kershaw in his twilight years. I mean, he might keep going for a while, but, you know, maybe he comes in into a different role. Uh, you know, you've got you've got pitchers there. We've got a great pitching staff. Um, you know, Julio Urias, again, like he, he's coming on. Uh, perhaps the the closer needs to be addressed, but I think Kenley Jansen will serve another year or two under the Dodgers banner before you know they really start looking for one. Uh, and that's okay. I kind of, you know what he he did blow game four. Well, actually, he didn't blow it. Uh, the defense kind of didn't help him out, so it's a it's a nah, 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 you know. It's a coin toss, what you feel. I, I felt that he, you know, it was awesome for him to to win it, you know. And, and like I said, looking forward, I think we're going to be relevant for the next couple of years. Hopefully we win one more. I, I want to see one more title run out of this core group before we start again, start dismembering and dismantling and, and before the whole team is completely, before the whole roster has turned over completely, you know. I'd like to see them take one more stab at it with the with the guys that's there. Um and you know, I think San Diego came on, but we got you know, we bested them. And I I think on the AL side, I think I don't think anybody's much a threat besides perhaps the Yankees, Boston, and some of these other franchises. But I, don't, you know, we just took the Rays. You know, we just took their best shot, and I and I think we could probably beat the Astros. We could probably beat you know some of the other division winners. The only ones that were kind of, and I think baseball is salivating a New York Yankee. You know, Dodgers World Series, especially now that both of them have won something within, you know, within within memory. It's not like something far. The Yankees are not that far removed from a title with Jeter and all them. Uh, you know, they got nothing but superstars over their Judge. You know, so I kind of I kind of feel like the MLB might want to position themselves into getting that going. Uh, perhaps another Boston, perhaps, perhaps an Angels, but I don't think the Angels are far off from contending. I don't really know, you know, the Angels' position as far as getting to the chip and, and you know, perhaps actually contending for it. Don't know. But I, I like I said, the 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 future for the Dodgers looks. Pretty well right now, it, and this shortened season, the shortened season, the sixty-game season. Actually, you know, there's a lot of people saying there should be an asterisk on it, but I, you know what? No, because I feel as if the regular season that is MLB goes on too fucking long, and I've stressed is that they needed to trim back from 180 some odd games to fucking like. Fucking like half, like ninety. 
like let's get more emphasis on the series they play. Let's get th- more three game series, but let's get all right. You know, let's see the best pitchers. Let's see you pull out the the stops. The playoff format works for right now, especially the the wild card format that works for the MLB. You know, it's working. Those games are the most interesting, like a one-off. Like, all right, well, let's see what you got. Put your best pitcher and your best batter. Do whatever it takes to win. And and that should be how the MLB is run from now on. And I think these shorten. I know they make a lot of money doing all those games, but 160 games. I don't know how 140 games. I don't know how many fucking games they fucking play, but. If they trimmed back a little bit, I think the fucking the game it would serve better. Now, as a fan, money coming out of my pocket, the less games, like the football, the higher the ticket price because the more the demand. You know, on baseball, the the more games there are, you have your chance to go see some clubs that suck, and the cheap the the tickets are fair priced. You know, and you're gonna go in there and drink and eat and. And cheer and buy a hat or whatever, you know, it's just man that's mandatory. So man, I think the NBA needs to restructure itself a little bit, uh league wide. Restructure itself to I think allow you know fewer games to be played, save the players, but somehow figure out a way to maximize their profits as well. I mean, there's gotta be a happy medium. These you know, I think the players. I think this benefited some teams more than others. A short and condensed season. Uh, it, like I said, I think it. I thought it would hurt the Lakers' chances when they won their title, but it actually helped them. I believe now. Um, and and like I said, probably it probably helped the Dodgers. The Dodgers are probably peaking right now. Like they could probably win four or five World Series in a row, if needed be. Uh, with this, but you know, it's hard for teams to to rise, maintain it good enough so they get home field advantage. Then you know they have a little lull, then rise in the play, and then peak again. Like you have to go like through four peaks, you know, maybe five. You know, it, it's just the season's long and it's taxing on the players and the coaches and everybody in the media. You know, traveling. Double headers, all that kind of bullshit, is a uh, a little bit too much, I think. But besides all that, like I said, I, I think now that now that the the they've got one, I think the Dodgers core and the owners and everybody now sees that we're on the top, and I think we're gonna stay there for a while. Uh, like I said, I think I hopefully we get another one in another year. Maybe, maybe we repeat. You know, or maybe we go in like two years from now and win it. You know, I, I want to see one more out of this core group of guys before we start dismantling the, you know, dismantling slowly and before there's nobody left. Uh, and that's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, going forward, that's what I want to see. I want to see one more. Um, but besides that, you know, I, I'll never forget... Jonathan Brock, uh, Broxton, Jonathan, you know, I think Jonathan Braxton or Broxton, uh, Andre Ethier, Matt Camp, uh, Dan, there's been Adrian Gonzalez, there's been so many players that 
you know, we thought we were close, we were close, you know, you know, we had, I can't think of the pictures, what are the Weaver brothers, we had a homie that's now on the Astros, Uh, we wasted him, the pitcher, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, Uh, we had a lot of players in this 32 years, a lot of players I've been rooting for and cheering for for the last, you know, like, 15 or 20 myself like that I, I started watching Dodger games a little bit more seriously and you know before you know I kind of I was in that role of baseball is kind of boring to watch on TV it, it's better live absolutely 100% better live um and I just kind of feel like now that I watch it and I kind of took a you know a major liking to the Dodgers you know, over the years, going and watching a game, you know, seeing different outfielders, you know, they're, one of my, one of my favorite, like I said, one of my favorite players, Andre Ethier, uh, the man served under the Dodgers, you know, I think he, he gave up a lot of his career to play here, and, you know, it didn't, it just didn't mature into a chip or even a serious title run, uh, but you know what? That that's why, like I, you know, Matt Kemp as well. You know, there's been there's been so many players. Bobby Abreu was on our team for a minute. Um, you know, I can't think of the guy's name that used to play first base. James Lo- James Loney Looney. Um. Man, there were just there just was so many players back in you know that I can that I remember them and I and I kind of wish that you know they had it they could share this moment with this Dodgers team uh, because they, they uh, some of them played for the Dodgers and gave it their all you know like I said some of those players I just mentioned and it just didn't it just didn't happen. You know, fortunately for the Lakers, you know, Kobe gave it his all. He got some, and then he handed it off pretty much to LeBron, and he got one. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, when the Raiders do eventually win, I'm going to feel the same way. I'm like, damn, there's going to be so many players that gave it their all for the organization, stayed for numerous years. It just didn't, didn't happen, you know. When it does happen, you know, I hope those players get folded into the mix, you know, stick a share in the glory. And I and I hope the some of the former Dodgers players, like I said, there, there's a there's a lot of them. I hope they come and share some of the the love that just happened, you know. Vin Scully too, Vin Scully, you know, win for Vin man. I'm glad that they won it before he before he he, you know, dies. Cause Vin, you know, Vin I've been watching Vin Scully. And even though I don't think Vin Scully is the greatest announcer there is. He's just... I think he was more... Fine-tuned in his craft. Where he could just go on and on about the game. And he knew so many different things. About different times. And different in, in different stats. And he was so... Into the Dodgers... You know... Into it. Like... He was just... He knew everything... About the Dodgers and, and he knew things about other players. 
and he knew random stats. Like, he was just a master at his craft. Uh, was he the best at his craft? No, but he was a ma- he he mastered. He could probably tell you things that happened with the Dodgers twenty five years ago at a certain inning, at a certain time, and then tell you the backstory of how that got to be. Because that's who he is. But you know, I, I'm just glad the Dodgers won one for him. The one last one for him. You know, maybe they'll get another one for him as well. But. You know, this last, you know, this one to see for him to be there for all them years, you know, 60 some 65 years, and then they finally go out. And maybe, you know, I think if he croaks anytime soon, at least they would have had one for him, you know. So that's it for the Dodger talk. You know, I'm gonna get this episode posted up here shortly, and uh, we're off to right now, we're just we're all football. And whatever happens down the road, I know Halloween's coming up, so boo. Uh, and then Thanksgiving's coming. The year's almost over, you guys. I mean, it's creeping down, it's winding down. This year is creeping, creeping down, and uh, we're almost out. So until next time, you guys, I'll uh, I'll get this posted and I'll catch you later. I'm out.